Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It is now Saturday, the 18th day of February 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin. And just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, on this wonderful weekend where I'm taking some time off with my family, I'm just going to chat about a couple things that are going through my mind. Hey, I, I don't know how many, how many of you, I guess I'm answering, yeah, I'm not going to get an answer to this question because I'm speaking into a microphone right now. But how many of you uh, are following my card of the day thing I'm doing on sullybaseball.com? It's, it's something I'm having fun doing, going through my old baseball cards. I pull out a card at random, and I start talking about it. And, and I have a little bit of fun with it. And, you know, it gets me, it keeps me writing, keeps me being creative. I had a couple of people say, I miss when you wrote blog posts. Well, I'm writing a blog post every day now. You know, and maybe you can follow it and learn about a player or two or learn a little bit more of this tapestry known as Major League Baseball. But the the card of the day, usually I try to keep it separate from what I do here on the podcast, but every once in a while I'll comment on it. And today's is what I'm going to comment on. The card of the day was Mark Davis. Mark Davis and his 1988 Tops card. When Mark Davis, that was the... You know, the, when uh, a card is issued, it's funny. Like whenever I see a card, I call it the 1988 Topps card. When in actuality, it go, I always associate it with the year before. It usually has a picture of the team they were on the year before. Their stats go up to the year before. So when I see this card, I think of 1987, even though it's the 1988 card. You know, just bear with me on that. It makes sense to me. Now, Mark Davis was a pitcher for the San Diego Padres. And Mark Davis is someone who, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you don't understand some of the impact. Some like when, when you say his name, there should be a sense of, oh, wow, yeah, cool. Mark Davis, he was involved in some big stuff. Now, this is a guy who, you know, played for a while, played from 19, you know, made his debut in 1980, played his final game, he played a handful of games he pitched for the Milwaukee Brewers in 1997. Um, so basically, really, I mean, not counting those t- little cups of coffee he had as a 19 and 20 year old and that last ditch effort he had, he played for 13 seasons in the major leagues. 13 seasons. And, you know, a few of note. A few of note, mainly uh, 1984 when he was a starter, spot starter and reliever for the Giants. 1986 when he was a reliever for the Giants. Uh, 87, 88, and 89 when he was a reliever for the Padres. And he had one more decent half season with the Padres in 1993. And he made a couple all-star teams. Okay, there you go. There you go. Now, I'm going to say a few names here. I'm going to say a few names like um, Juan Marichal. 
Nolan Ryan, Burt Blylevin, Kurt Schilling, Dave Stewart, Jimmy Key, Jack Morris. Think about the Don Sutton. Some of those names are in the Hall of Fame. When people think of one of the great pitchers of all time, whether or not you agree with a statement, one name that's going to come up a lot, or at least is one of the all-time classic legendary pitchers, is going to be Nolan Ryan. Now, what do those pitchers all have in common? Other than the fact they had one, all had wonderful careers. Some are in the Hall of Fame, some felt just short. All of them had a peak where you would call them one of the legit aces in baseball of their era. They also all are devoid of a Cy Young Award on their mantle. And you think about some relief pitchers who have won the Cy Young Award. You know, Mariano Rivera is considered to be the greatest reliever of all time, no Cy Young Award. Rich Gossage is in the Hall of Fame as a relief pitcher. He has no Cy Young Award. If I were to say that a San Diego Padres pitcher, relief pitcher, won the Cy Young Award, I'm pretty sure that you would say either Rich Gossage or Raleigh Fingers or certainly Trevor Hoffman. Now, to be fair, Raleigh Fingers did win a Cy Young Award, but he did so when he was a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. But you'd be wrong in fingers with the Padres. You'd be wrong with Gossage. You'd be wrong with Trevor Hoffman. person who has a Cy Young on, the man, on their mantle, who isn't Nolan Ryan, who isn't Juan Marichal, who you could argue was, if not the best pitcher of the 1960s, certainly one of the best pitchers. You can make the same argument for Kurt Schilling over a 10-year span you could say was the best pitcher in baseball, or at least in the conversation for the best pitcher in baseball. No Cy Youngs for them, Cy Young for Mr. Mark Davis. I told my friend Greg Lee that. Greg Lee, uh, I gotta get back on this podcast. He's one of my closest baseball fan buddies, and he's a funny, smart, wonderful guy. I told him that because he was a giant fan. He still is a Giants fan, but he's, you know, he is my age. And so, you know, the, the Red Sox of the 80s are the teams that I have, you know, those were the teams of my, form, my, my formative years. And the Giants at that same time were the team of his formative years. And so he remembers Mark Davis as, a, you know, an okay pitcher for a few years, you know, had one or two okay years and a couple of bad years with the Giants. And I said, you know, he won a Cy Young Award. And he just said to me, what? I mean, it would be, you know, it would be like saying, for me, saying, you know, I won the, I won the Nobel Prize for physics. You know, he just said, what do you mean he won the Cy Young Award? Said, yeah, he won a Cy Young Award in 1989, a year where he had 44 saves. Uh, he averaged more than an inning per appearance. Uh, he pitched to a 1.85 ERA. He struck out 92 batters. He walked 31. He finished sixth in the MVP vote. Now, he had that wonderful season as a bullpen closer. And it was for a team that didn't go to the playoffs. They had a winning season in San Diego in 1989. But 
they were not like it wasn't like he was like Willie Hernandez when he won the MVP and Cy Young Award in 1984. That was a year where the Tigers were a such a terrific team, going wire to wire as the champion, and you know, it was clear that a MVP and Cy Young Award winner were going to come out of Detroit. And so Hernandez's wonderful year he had that year, you know, seemed to fit the bill. But Davis won the Cy Young Award that year. And when you think about, like, if I if I run out a list, then the list I said at the top said, pick out the person who is not a Cy Young Award winner. A guy who is a, let's face it, a relatively obscure closer. Only two years in his entire career did he have more than seven saves. He in 1988, you know, the year after Rich Gossage left San Diego, he took over the closer role from Lance McCullers and saved 28 games. He wound up striking 102 batters in 98 and a third innings. And then the next year, he saved 44 games and had his Cy Young year. After that, he never saved more than six. And in fact, after that, he saved six games in 1990, one game in 1991, and four games in 1993. He saved 11 games for the rest of his career. So, I mean, that's another reason when you think of someone who was a Cy Young award-winning closer, I guess Willie Hernandez would catch some people by surprise because he had this great peak and wasn't a dominant closer for a prolonged period of time. You know, when you see someone who's a close, you know, Eric Gagne may be a similar one with his time in L.A. when he was the last reliever to win the Cy Young Award. You know, other people like Fingers, Eckersley, Bruce Souter, even Steve Bedrosian, who won the Cy Young Award in um, 1987. You know, in, in those years, you can say, okay, I, I, I get it to a degree. You know, those are guys, they had long careers, many, many years where they, where they had good, solid seasons. But Mark Davis just seems so out of the blue, seems just so bizarre, because it, it, his, his peak came out of the blue. His peak was so bizarre. And there's a couple other things that are really strange about him that you wouldn't necessarily think about. He came up in the Phillies organization, and he pitched a couple of games down the stretch when the Phillies won the division in 1980. So I suppose he got a World Series ring for his troubles. Um, and then he was traded with Mike Kruko to the Phillies for Al Holland, who became the Phillies' closer when they won the pennant in 1983, and Joe Morgan. Now think about that trade for a second. Mike Kruko is a beloved San Francisco giant figure. He was a popular player as a pitcher, and he has become one of the most popular announcers in all of baseball. Kruko. Kruk and Kipe. Kruk and Kipe. That's what my dad loves talking about with the uh, Giants. And Kruko came to the Giants in this deal. And in the deal was Holland and Joe Morgan. So there's a trade in baseball history where a future Cy Young Award winner was traded for a future Hall of Famer. 
And in that deal was a beloved announcer and eventual 20-game winner for the San Francisco Giants. Wouldn't you think that trade like that would make a little more impact when people remember trades involving this player or that player being swapped? But I'll do you the one better. The one better is the trade that took place in 1987, which is right around the time that my family moved from Massachusetts to the San Francisco Bay Area, and I began to really understand the Giants. And if you don't remember the Giants in 1987, they were chasing Cincinnati for most of that year. And they made a flurry of trades and basically remodeled the team in the final few months of the season. They made a couple of deals with the Pittsburgh Pirates where they brought in Don Robinson, who essentially became their closer, Rick Rushell, who became their number one pitcher. And in another move, they traded for uh, Kevin Mitchell, <clears throat> who became their starting third baseman, eventually would move to left field. Dave Dravecki, who became their number two starter. And Craig Lefferts, who became their key left-hander out of the bullpen. Think about that. They got their number one and two starter, and their top reliever and their left-handed reliever out of the pen, and a starting third baseman all after July. You know, when you think about those Giants, that Giant team that won the division in 1987, and, you know, those players are indelible in how you remember the team. And none of them were on the team when July, when July 4th rolled around. Now, in the deal with San Diego that brought in Mitchell, that brought in Dravecki, that brought in Lefferts, Davis, that was the move that sent Davis packing from San Francisco to San Diego. Now, think about that trade for a second. Now, I mentioned that he had already been a Cy Young Award winner, was involved in a trade involving a beloved announcer and a Hall of Famer. This was a deal where one team acquired a eventual MVP and the other team acquired an eventual Cy Young Award winner. In 1989, Kevin Mitchell was the most, won the Most Valuable Player Award and Mark Davis won the Cy Young Award. And those two players were essentially traded for each other. There were other players involved in the deal too. Chris Brown, the late Chris Brown, uh, Keith Comstock and Mark Grant were also sent packing to San Diego. And of course, I mentioned Trevecki and Lefferts. When you think about a trade where both teams benefited from the deal, we got an MVP, you got a Cy Young Award winner. Shouldn't that be looked upon as one of those trades where they're like, well, both sides benefited. Look at what happened in 89. And yet, that fact is so obscured, partly because no one freaking remembers Mark Davis won the freaking Cy Young Award. But then there's another weird thing about Mark Davis. Mark Davis timed his free agency perfectly. Now, if you don't remember this, and why would you? In the mid-1980s, there was collusion. And to this day, I don't think people understand the effect of collusion, what that meant. That all of the owners got together and made the decision they were not going to sign free agents. We're not going to do it. We're going to drive down the prices. 
That's illegal. It's not just immoral, it's illegal. And the teams did it, and a lot of people were of the mindset of, well, you know, you know, who cares? You know, the uh, uh, you know, players get paid too much anyway was kind of the mindset that a lot of fans had. Because fans always take the side of the owners against the players because they don't they can't comprehend what the owners are doing, but they can see the players on the field and whether or not they're good or not, whether or not they're earning their money or not. And so, uh, you know, the, the owners will always get the benefit of the doubt from players, whether or not they deserve it or not. But there was collusion. Owners were found guilty of collusion in the mid-'80s. And so by the time the offseason of 1989 rolled around, having been found guilty of collusion, and that led to the, the dominoes that eventually became the strike of 1994 and the lockout of 1995, Owners had to go out and start spending piles of money to show collusion was over. They had to aggressively sign free agents. And you saw in that offseason of 1989 into 1990 a flurry of not just free agency signings, but players being signed to big-time contracts. Contracts which now, compared to you see what players are making now, seemed relatively small, but at the time, making five, six, seven million dollars a year was eye-popping. And Davis just happened to be a free agent while the feeding frenzy was going on. If he had been a free agent just a few years earlier, even with a Cy Young under his belt, he would have gotten few to no offers. Just ask Tim Raines, who got no offers coming off of a batting title in 1986 and later continued his Hall of Fame career. So Davis went off for free agency, and he signed with the Kansas City Royals. He left the Padres and signed with the Royals. And what made that signing significant was not just the fact that the Royals signed the National League Cy Young Award winner, but they had the American League Cy Young Award winner. For the first time ever, the previous year's Cy Young Award winners were teammates. Brett Saberhagen won the Cy Young Award in 1989. That doesn't sound as unusual as Mark Davis because he won two Cy Young Awards. And people who were fans of baseball from that era tend to remember Brett Saberhagen was an ace caliber pitcher who just got his career derailed by injuries. Mark Davis sounds weird. And he came to... to Kansas City in the first few games he saved it looks like oh my god look at this the Royals have the Cy Young award winning starter the Cy Young award winning closer it's going to be great and he bombed he bombed badly and eventually he was traded to the Braves and when they went to the World Series but he didn't earn a spot on the roster and then he found himself getting kind of kicked around played a little bit here played a little bit there went back to San Diego and by that point they had had her were developing a pitcher named Trevor Hoffman. And then, you know, the strike happened, didn't have a job, and he wound up playing with the Brewers, and his career ended, and eventually he became a coach. And I think he's now currently a coach in the Royals organization, strangely, the place where he totally bombed out. But that is a weird legacy. A Cy Young Award. What pitcher is a Cy Young Award winner who was traded for a Hall of Famer, traded for an MVP, and eventually became teammates 
where the defending Cy Young Award winners were on the same team the year after they won the Cy Young Award. You could ask people who are diehard baseball fans to say, oh, what player am I talking about? And they'll be, talk about Rumpelstiltskin, they'll be saying a hell of a lot of names before they stumble on the name Mark Davis. But that's his legacy. You know, if it happened now, if he had the same season now, he probably would not have won the Cy Young Award. You know, the Sabermetrics crowd would probably go bananas for Oral Hershiser, who had about as good a season as he had the year before, but he didn't have the sexy uh, scoreless inning streak, and his record was 15-15. and Granted, the Dodgers didn't have a very good year defending their world championship in 1989, but Hershiser was spectacular. Also spectacular that year was Greg Maddox, who won 19 games for a division winner, which normally something like that is enough to earn yourself a Cy Young Award, and he wound up having a great overall season that year, as did Mike Scott. But you know what those names I just mentioned, Mike Scott, Greg Maddox, and Oral Hershiser all have in common, unlike the names I said at the beginning of this podcast? They already have Cy Youngs. Actually, Maddox didn't have a Cy Young at that point, but he would go on to win four. So using what I call the Cohen brothers rule, where it's hard to weep for someone for not winning a trophy when they've already won a trophy, I guess I think it's kind of cool that Mark Davis is a Cy Young Award winner. It is strange that he is and those names at the top aren't. But do you know what? It certainly shows a highlight for those two wonderful years he had in San Diego. Mark Davis, if you're out there, you're more than willing to join us here on the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast as I took a little bit of time out here on a February day to talk and remember your legacy as a member of the Padres. And while I'm at it, congrats for being a Cy Young Award winner. Congrats. And congrats to me for continuing doing these podcasts. I guess I just patted myself on the back. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for Saturday, the 18th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I beg you, call me Sully. <laughs>